we need more of everything. We need more people. Uh, I would argue we still need more restaurants, cafe, maybe a more different variety, but uh, more people, number one. There are amenities here that you can't get outside of the city, uh, and there are prices here that are lower than you could ever get outside the city. I think it's the answer is more, and that's good. This is Catalyst, the stories behind the people building a better York. Welcome to Catalyst. I'm Rebecca Hanlon of Our York Media. Coming up, we'll be chatting with Dylan Bauer of Royal Square Development and Construction. We'll talk about his ventures in Chili Dilly, the last conversation he had with Louis Appel, and his response to being called a gentrifier and a whitewasher. Before we get into that, here's a quick story about a York College student making a difference in York, brought to you by our title sponsor, York College of Pennsylvania's Center for Community Engagement. What if you could provoke change that impacted an entire community? For Zach Snyer, a biology major at York College of Pennsylvania, his experience as an intern with the Gladfelter Institute for Public Policy may do just that. Through the Institute, he's researching lead exposure and its impact in York involving everything from crime to educational attainment and income. His goal is to make a case for legislative change in York City. Zach, what has to change in York for us to see improvements related to lead exposure? First of all is awareness of the issue. Uh, many people understand that lead itself is bad, um, all the many health effects associated with it. Um, of those people, they understand that paint is associated with lead. Um, but what people in the county, um, not many realize, is that it's still an issue facing our community. Um, as an intern, we looked at a few, some things, um, including educational attainment, income, um, crime rates, and as well as the health effects. Um, it, many, like I said, know about the health effects, but few think about the effect it has on the crime in our community and the income and the long-term effect on the community through those things. So this project gives you a chance to leave a mark in New York, even as a college student, and that opportunity may be motivation enough for you, but what do you think will motivate others to adopt change? I think first and foremost would be the health effects. Um, everyone cares about their neighbor, um, and lead has a particular effect on the health of youth of the county. Um, but beyond that, you can make an argument for the financial impact on the community, and it's not just a present-day impact, it's going to be an impact for many years. Um, we look at the cost of society, some studies support the argument that the increased crime um, would result in a high, high cost. Um, and for many in the legislature or in legislative abilities, that would be a great argument for a change as well. So thank you so much for stopping by to share your project with us, and we hope you continue to strive for change that betters our community. Thank you. This season of Catalyst is supported by Stock and Leader Attorneys at Law. At Stock and Leader, our attorneys provide more than legal advice. We provide first-to-know expertise and a client-centered service through a collaborative team approach. We're more than your lawyers. We're your complete resource for legal insight and your partner for a fast-paced changing world. When decisions matter, Stock and Leader. And now it's time to meet our catalyst. 
Today, Dylan Bauer is the president of development at Royal Square Development and Construction, who's behind much of the visual progress we've seen popping up around downtown York from Revy Flats and the old Weinbrom building to some of the spaces in Royal Square, like the Bond building and Taste Test. But before he was flipping buildings, he was head of the Chili Dilly's ice cream truck enterprise. Can you talk a little bit, Dylan, about how that got started for you? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's really cool. I'm glad you're doing this. This is fun. Um, Chili Dillies. Uh, Chili Dillies was my uh, first real company. I had little companies when I was in high school, like mowing lawns and stuff. But uh, my name being Dylan, I started Chili Dillies Ice Cream in uh, 2004. I bought my first truck out of New York, and I saved up. I had five grand saved up. I bought it, and I made it just outside of Philly before it broke down. Um, At the time, this was when I had my Motorola Razor, I think. I wasn't pre-iPhone. Yeah. And I was calling everybody I know to be like, yeah, man, I bought the truck. I'm coming down the interstate. My phone died. So my truck died. My cell phone was dead. And I actually used one of those solar-powered phones on the side of the road. Oh, wow. And I got it towed back. Um, The truck, the uh, mechanic said, you should never have been driving this thing. I'm surprised you made it as far as you did. Wow. And uh, I got it home and scrapped it for 500 bucks. So wow. my first week in business, I lost all my cash. But I went to, uh, eventually, I, I went through a few banks, and, and our new uh, bank downtown, York Traditions Bank, gave me my first loan uh, for $24,000, and I bought a 1971 Ford Good Humor truck, which I drove for, uh, well, my, it was in my company for seven years. But Okay. Yeah, it was my baby. So how far did you get with Chili Dillies? Well, like I said, we were in business for seven years. In my peak, we had 26 or 28 employees. Um, we had two companies. We had Chili Dillies and we had Sun Snow. Sun Snow was a solar-powered snowball stand that we put in parking lots outside of uh, like giant anchored centers or grocery stores. And uh, we would use solar power to power the machine mm-hmm. and produce uh, snowballs. And it was a really cool system. I had them down to cup count system because theft is one of your biggest problems in business especially in restaurants Mm. and I could count the cups I knew how many cups were in there when we started and how many were at the end of the day and I told them you eat and you eat as many snowballs as you want but if there's a cup missing too many times you're out of here and it worked (laughs) so I did that and I uh, eventually I realized that I made more money it's true I made more money as a single uh, operator than I did when I had employees Mm. When I was in college, I would gross around forty to forty-five thousand in revenue, and I was taking home twenty to twenty-five grand profit off of that. When I graduated college, and I bought three more trucks, we had four trucks on the road. Mr. Big Shot here took himself out of the driver's seat because I don't need to drive a truck, you know. I'm mm-hmm. now I'm I got these four trucks and employees. Uh, we did just over three hundred thousand in revenue, and I, the business owner, made I think six thousand. Wow. So I had to move back in with my, you know, my parents' basement and that whole thing. But I learned and uh, grew the company for a while until we sold it in 2012. Okay. I think. So when you were were 25, we had talked before about how that was um, a rough year for you and a learning mm-hmm. experience. You were sued by Central Market. You yep. were sued by Dairy Queen. Yeah. And you were practically broke. Mm-hmm. What were some of the business lessons that you learned? At and that, my girlfriend of eight years taught me. Well, we weren't going to mention that for, you know. <laughs> no. no, it was fine. It was one of those moments where um, you learned a lot about, I remember, and also I didn't mention this, but I remember I had to get my mom to take me to 
the dental hygienist or whatever you go to get your wisdom teeth taken out. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you know, everything, because you're going to go under with anesthesia. Right. And I'm like, my, my roommate was moving out of my apartment. So it was all these things where I'm like, well, I guess it's just going to be what it is. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting time. And, and I'm glad that happened because it forced me to kind of uh, go back and talk to some people that had helped me along the way, whether I knew it or not. Um, one of the ventures we had at Chili Dillies is we opened a stand at Central Market. And we actually made ice cream products like little ice cream sandwiches and Nutty Buddies. They okay. were the best Nutty Buddies ever. Mm. And, uh, but what it did is it, it leveraged me into these relationships. Like I, I met a friend of mine who's still a friend. I saw him Thursday or Saturday, actually, Bill Swartz. Okay. Um, he was one of the first guys to really charge for downtown. And he was the one that said, Dylan, you should get into real estate. And mm. I was like, I don't know, man. That's not me. I don't want to be. I pictured real estate as baking cookies, having open houses. And he said, no, 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 commercial real estate. And that kind of pushed me into, uh, into that world. And, um, <clears throat> but it, was, it took, I think, all those things to sort of happen for me to say, okay, let me look at my situation. I remember, that, I remember this. The Phils were in the world. We were in the playoffs. And uh, I was all down the dumps because of all these things. So I went to Philly, and I stayed with some friends of mine who worked during the day. And I went to the Locust, the Locust Bar at 10th and Locust and watched, the, watched playoff baseball. And I uh, just hung out for the day until my buddies got off work. And I just thought through everything. And I thought, mm. you know what? I can get out of this. And, and I kind of made a plan at that little dive, divey bar. And... Uh, and then ended up selling both my companies uh, that, that following spring after liquidating all the assets and then eventually finding a job at Rock Commercial. Okay. So, so before we get into your, your real estate career, mm-hmm. which was kind of the next big phase of your life, while you were still a vendor at Central Market, you, you met someone who was a pretty prominent character sure. in New York that many people have not had the opportunity to be as close to as, as perhaps you were. Um, introduce us to that person and, and how you first met him. Well, uh, we're talking about Mr. Louis Appel, uh, and Mr. Appel was, um, you know, I heard about him as a kid. I heard of his name. I remember, I remember being young enough to hear uh, the Susquehanna Communi- Communications guy mm-hmm. uh, talking with my parents about the sale of Suscom, uh, and they sold, I think it sold for $1.2 billion, mm-hmm. uh, with a B, to Comcast. Um, but, so I heard of this man, and I always heard that, you know, he went by Mr. Appel. You know, even as like the his closest advisors, it was Mr. Appel. So I was I was working Central Market, and I had my uh, this girl Megan working for me, and I remember seeing who I thought was Mr. Appel, and thinking, oh my gosh, like Mr. Appel never he probably never comes to Central Market. So I pulled up his his image online, and I said, Megan, I want you to go over and see if that guy is the same as this guy in the, in the on the laptop. She's like, what am I? Do? Just do it. So she goes and she comes back. She's like, Dylan, I don't know. I said, all right, well, this is probably my only chance. <laughs> I had no idea the man went there almost every single week. Um, so I went up and I said, you know, excuse me, sir, are you Mr. Appel? This is like my second week after being open. And he said, I am. I said, my name's Dylan. I had this new ice cream stand here at Central Market called Chili Dillies. I, I think you bought some of my product today. I, I just wanted to introduce myself and hope for a chance maybe to ask you some questions about downtown and, and business. And he paused and he said, sure. Eight four five twenty three hundred. Give me a call Monday, and I'm like, okay. And I, I ran away like I just got you know a girl's phone number. I mean, I was so excited and happy, and and uh, I did. I called. I called. I set up a meeting, and I remember going there, and I met with him in his conference room, a little fig Newtons on the table, 
little cups of water. And uh, we spent better part of a half hour just, I was telling him my story, where I was coming from. I asked him lots of questions about downtown and the businesses he was involved in. And he was very limited in his responses, but he was very cordial and nice. Um, and I asked if I could follow up. Hmm. And so I did a few months later. And I did that two or three times until I, I let him know. I said, Mr. Appel, I don't, I don't want anything. I really do enjoy your connection to downtown York and your knowledge of business. If, I, if you don't mind me keeping this up, I'd love to keep bringing you ice cream and hearing your story. Um, and so we did that almost on a quarterly basis. Uh, and I made these products called Chochos. It was a chocolate malt uh, ice cream pop. They okay. were real simple, um, but he loved them. So he'd buy them by you know the dozen. And even after I closed Chili Dillies, I had a vendor, I had a friend of mine in Reading who made Chochos. Okay. Actually, the man that taught me the recipe. So I would order them once a year. I'd get you know a couple hundred. And I distribute them to people that I worked with, and I'd always take a good 50 or so to Mr. Appel's oh, office. And he just thought it was the greatest thing. Yeah. So it was a neat experience to, to meet him. And, and what it did lead, um, what I, I realized, not asking for anything, how it paid off for me. Um, I mentioned that time when I, you know, I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I, look, I remembered Bill Swartz saying, you need to get in the real estate, no commercial real estate. Yeah. I asked around. You need to talk to David Bodie at Rock. I heard this two or three times. I thought, all right, I'm going to go talk to Mr. Appel. And he's got, you know, a Susquehanna real estate. I'm sure, you know, he'll give me a, I'll get a new car and a, a fancy title or something. And I didn't really know they were winding down that part of the business as much. But when I asked him what, what he thought I should do, he said, you need to call Rock. Mm. I thought, all right. And he said, you want me to make the phone call for you? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So yeah. he called over to Rock. I got the interview the next day. I sat down with Mr. Vody and we spent a good three, four hours just uh, doing the interview process, a couple of personality tests, and I had the job offer the very next day. So it was neat to, to have experienced the time with this, this man who I consider a role model, uh, has spent that much time dedicated to York. And I really, truly just enjoyed his presence. Yeah. And uh, so I went to work for, for Rock right thereafter. And I kept my relationship strong uh, with, with Mr. Appel. Um, and to maybe carry on to the next segue, I, at one point he said, do you know a fellow by the name Josh Hankey? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do. We, we occasionally have you know, ran into each other before. And he said, you two should, should spend more time together. And that sort of pushed us together. And we, we, when we tell the story, we're Miller Lite buddies. We just got Miller Lite at Beastry 19 and uh, we'd talk about how this is wrong and that landlord should be doing this and we got to clean up that. And uh, eventually, after three years at Rock, uh, Josh said, hey, I, I could use your help over here. Would you come work for me? And I did that now four plus years ago. And uh, that was before a lot of what's happened downtown. We we've yeah. successfully uh, completed one new market tax credit project, and we're on our second completion. We're about to complete our second this December, so it's been a pretty fun ride. There, were, when we had met previously, you you told an interesting story um, about being in Royal Square District um, and doing something that would kind of um, warm the heart of of Mr. Appel with some. Mm. Um, something in particular that he really enjoyed sure um where you you put up the christmas lights yeah um why did that mean something to him and, and why did you decide to do it in a way to kind of do something that was warming to him well what he's done for york is priceless i mean he's done so much i mean he bought the strand twice i think he saved he saved it from becoming a parking lot mm -hmm. um he 
bought the Yorktown, I think, two times or maybe just once. But he loved Christmas. That was his holiday. And uh, to the extent that I remember being in the car with Josh when we got a phone call from him saying, why is there not a Christmas tree in the turret over on Duke Street? And we're like, I don't know, sir. And so we hung up the phone and we got on there, get, got over to Lowe's, and we, we got a Christmas tree up there as quickly as possible. So Christmas is always a big holiday for him, and it was so neat to see uh, his passion for that. We, we had this idea. Uh, it was actually Alex Dwyer's idea, Alex DeVoe now, but she, she had the idea, and we quickly penciled it out, figured out the cost, um, found the help to, to do it, and we outlined all the doors and windows in Royal Square and Christmas lights. And then on Christmas Eve, um, his son and daughter, Lou and Helen, uh, said, come on, Dad, we're going for a drive. And where are we going at 9 <laughs> o'clock on Christmas Eve? Just trust me. And they came down Duke Street. And uh, I remember we were, on the, we were waiting there. And uh, he and Jody got out of the car. And uh, it was almost, I mean, he was near tears. It was just so cool. And he just, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. How did you do this? Mm -hmm. And we were so worried because the weeks before, you know, Mr. Pell would always drive around and go through the different neighborhoods, always checking on things. And I thought, how has he not realized all these electricians on ladders hanging Christmas lights? But we did. You know, he never said anything. And mm -hmm. I truly think he didn't pick up on it. That's awesome. Um, and now we turn them on every year as a little bit of a tribute. So it's, it's a neat thing we got to do. And he got to, to be a part of it there for a few years. Um, you've expressed admiration for a lot of his vision for what he, he wanted York to be. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel any of that yourself when you started getting into the real estate? Yes, very much so. Um, so when I was at Chili Dillies, I was a cigarette smoker. And I did that for, I think, 10 or 12 years. Now I'm three plus years without a cigarette. But uh, stress, man, you just yeah. it's something I, I, I gravitated to. So when I was at Chili Dillies, and ice cream, we didn't sell a lot in the winter. We were a little slow. Sure. So I'd still be open, but and I didn't want people to know I smoked. So I would wander around and look for new hiding spots. <laughs> and I remember looking at certain buildings, just thinking, what in this world? Why has no one done anything with this? Why is mm. no one? And this is, again, 2010. So it's eight years ago, but um, it's remarkable to see how far it's come. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that was a lot of my questions. And a lot of times when I spent time with him, I, I asked him because he knew everything. Yeah. And he had a, a memory, I can't believe. And he knew who bought what, when, how. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of admiration of the buildings downtown. And I guess for myself, the vision, having gone to school, school in Philadelphia and enjoying travel and just always being kind of curious about how things work. I always had a question about why certain parts of our city were the way they were. Mm. Uh, I, I use the example when, when I compare, people often ask me where, you know, the difference in, in downtown and how far it's come. And my perspective is, is slightly limited. I mean, I, I opened up my ice cream stand in 2009, I think, downtown. Uh, and I remember the time that, uh, and we stayed open year round, even though we would make maybe $15, $20 on our first Friday in December. Yeah. Uh, but we would do these first Fridays. And I remember the time that Downtown Inc. was actually with clickers, like counters, they, they were keeping track of the number of people that would come through. And first Friday at that time was from Kimmins, the, the north, the southeast corner of Beaver and mm -hmm. Philly, down to the alleyway, which is now um, uh, Sunrise Soap. That was it, yeah. about a half block. And we had a thousand people come down, and we were excited. <laughs> And now we hit 10,000 people per month in stride to the point where Downtown Inc. is like, I, we can't track this. Yeah. And we can give a gauge, but we can't track it. 
So um, the vision was, I mean, I, I'm a small part in this whole thing, um, but there is vision there. And I, I think to me, I, I look now to the first block of South Beaver Street, now the second block of South Beaver Street. You know, I, I've been a green bean customer for, you know, I moved downtown 2009 or 10. So I've been a green bean customer since they previously, when it was King and Beaver, the cafe King and Beaver. Uh, and that was always an island to me. And now with the redevelopment of Weinbrom and Revy Flats uh, and the connectivity to where this, where City Hall was and now it's the police station, right. I'm, we're watching that bend happen. And it's it's really exciting. And I encourage everybody to get involved. I mean, the properties on South, the 100 block of South Beaver Street, 100 block of South Pershing, they're beautiful. And they're great single family homes that can be bought still at inexpensive prices. And that's what we got to do to change, to, to move this city forward. We need more home ownership downtown. And that's... It's, a, it's really there because anytime a property comes online in the downtown, it's gone right. very quickly. The, the area that you're talking about, you know, Beaver Street there, um, there's been a lot of changes there most recently. You know, you mentioned some of the buildings that have, have seen redevelopment, new things popped up. Um, it ties in a little bit to your relationship with Louie um, and the last conversation that you had with him. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a sad, I mean, it's not sad. It was, it's actually pretty great um, to have that moment. So um, I remember December of 15, there was a bit of a scare, but it wasn't clear, mm-hmm. the Mr. Appel's condition, and, and he would never, ever speak of it. Um, and after he was better out of the hospital, January, February, he was still going to work, you know, three, nine to three, four to five mm-hmm. days a week, uh, 90 years old, and... Um, he was going to work and I'd see him because he drove right by my office and it was I'd like to say he passed in June I think it was probably late April or, or early May uh, downtown Inc had a well, it was downtown Inc and Royal Square were invited to his box for a, a day game a baseball game in the day and he was sitting out front and like you know he would he watched he kept the box you know, he had one of those box scores he kept every yeah. single that's how he tracked the game and uh so i remember seeing him there and and i had really exciting news because at the time uh our company had been courting isaac's famous sandwiches to move downtown mm-hmm. um and it was hard to think that a, a regional chain would ever consider downtown and we we as a community had everybody there, invited them, and it was a really cool collaborative effort to get them to, to commit to downtown. And I remember going up to him and saying, hey, Mr. Appel, how are you? And he said, hey, Chili. <laughs> and he always called me Chili, was my nickname. Um, and uh, he said, I said, Mr. Appel, we, we got Isaacs. He said, what? I said, yeah, it's not quite signed, but it, it's a deal. I can tell you that. He goes, get out of here. That's awesome. Great job. I said, thanks. How are you doing? He said, well, got a beer watching baseball in the middle of the day I can't get much better than this and I it was great I was like, I'll talk to you soon that was the last time I, I got to speak with him and you know what that's a great last way for me I mean mm-hmm. it, it, it was um, it was it, he was just an inspiration on so many levels on so many levels so and I, I truly wish now two plus years since his passing that he could see what it's not just the building stock that's changed it's the overall community uh, just excitement. Yeah. There's an overall energy that you feel when you're downtown, uh, from the restaurants that are opening up to the, the people that are moving downtown to the businesses that are moving into the area, uh, and it's lasting commitment. It's there's I don't hear as much speculation. Sure. Yeah. So with all the things that have been been popping up, I mean, it's it's been an incredible transformation to you know even for me personally to see a lot of the changes that have have happened. 
um, it's interesting in York that it doesn't come without, you know, sometimes uh, criticism. And you yourself have kind of faced some of that, unfortunately, with some of the projects that you've done where you've been called a, a gentrifier or a whitewasher. And you even mentioned that to your face, not yeah. just not just online, but uh, to your face that that's been been yeah. mentioned to you. I mean, what is your response to being called those names? How do you respond to people? Well, it's, you know, it's something that we need to be concerned with. And inclusion is an absolute necessity to the conversation. Uh, and I don't think that um, we could we can always do a better job of it. What I've been able to see from from my perspective on the real estate development side, in the past 18 months, we've seen an, about 160 new apartments come to downtown. They were vacant buildings before. So although it is gentrification, which has become a, a negative term, I, I don't know why. If you look it up, I mean, it's still it's the re, rebirthing of a building or an area, uh, and that is what we're seeing. But what I'm most excited about is that we've not, I mean, there have been times where we've had to find alternative locations for people and we give six months notice and we help them and we will pay for the move if we need to. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in development, we, which we have to do, we, we make sure that we do everything we can to be as, as helpful as possible. But I point out that 160 net new uh, apartments in downtown York in the past 18 months, um, they were vacant buildings and there are still a lot of vacant buildings. And I encourage anybody that can get into this downtown. I mean, there is a lot more possibility than I think anyone realized in converting office space into residences or sometimes simply just bringing apartments back online that previously had no chance of being rented just because of the conditions. Mm -hmm. And we just finished on Friday, we opened uh, the Haynes Building, mm -hmm. which is Caddy Corner from the Yorktown. And that building, uh, it had 10 apart, what well, had six apartments and a second floor office. So we renovated the upstairs apartments. I mean, a true renovation. They were uninhabitable. And then we, we renovated the second floor, which was office, and we rented that back into apartments. Um, so together, we added 10 apartments to downtown to a building that has been vacant for, except for H&R Block, it's been vac vacant for about 15 years. Okay. And the upper floor has been vacant for much longer than that. One neat thing, though, on Friday, I think we had two or three different residents that previously occupied the space come to see it. Oh, really? Uh, one woman told me she paid $230 wow. for an apartment that we're now renting for about $1,295. Wow. <laughs> so, again, uh, introductory pricing on apartments is always going to be a little bit higher. The market, you can't compare 25 years ago to today. Sure. But, um, it is neat. And she was blown away by it. We. We do a lot of work with federal and state historic tax credits, mm -hmm. and for that, uh, like this building that we're in today, uh, a lot of times you, you, you must keep the historical integrity of the building, so doors, windows, trim. A lot of our building has some really great molding. Uh, we have the best carpenters in York, and I'll put them up against anybody, uh, and, and for that, we have a skill set in that area. And we were able to bring a lot of these the historic uh, components back to the building, and it's just it's crisp. Cool. You go through there, and you, you see the old history, and you get to you get to see what it was like yeah. when they built it in 1926. That's cool. Yeah. So I mean, all, all these projects have taken place. You've you've either been involved or watched some of these mm -hmm. things happen, um, and York's come a long way in a, in a short period of time. But what do you think the next thing is? What do you think York still needs to kind of keep the momentum going or kind of get to that next level? We need more of everything. Yeah. We need more people. Uh, I would argue we still need more restaurants, cafe, maybe a more different variety, but mm -hmm. uh, more people, number one. More office. We need more offices to commit to downtown. 
Uh, yes, taxes are high. We all know that. Um, but there are amenities here that you can't get outside of the city. Uh, and there are prices here that are lower than you could ever get outside the city. Um, so we need more daytime. We need more nighttime uh, population. Uh, and one thing that I'm working on that is going to take a, a while, but we've talked with the, the food trust out of Philadelphia, is I'd love to see a grocery store downtown. Mm -hmm. I do patronize C-Town. If anyone uh, is from C-Town listening, yeah. I can't buy English muffins at C-Town. Hmm. And I make a pretty good uh, English muffin breakfast sandwich a few days a week. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I have a deodorant that I happen to like that I can't get there. Sure. So these little things that I, I think we can get there, uh, I've... I've I know a lot of the members of Central Market are committed to bringing more produce downtown. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's the answer is more, and that's good. Uh, I, I want to, as a resident myself, uh, business owner downtown, I, I want to have more options selfishly yeah. uh, for my, my breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, entertainment needs. So it's happening. I mean, we've come a long way in just yeah. 10 years, so I can't wait to see the next 10. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in to share a little bit of your background sure. and your story with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're excited to see the, the things to come. Yeah. Thanks. If you want to check out more episodes of Catalyst, visit areyourcomedia.com slash catalyst for show notes and more. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and bonus points for leaving a review. This project was funded in part by the York Social Venture Challenge Grant from the York County Community Foundation. Our title sponsor is York College of Pennsylvania Center for Community Engagement with support from Stock and Leader Attorneys at Law. This show is produced by Will Hanlon and Caleb Robertson. I'm Rebecca Hanlon, and you've been listening to Catalyst from Our York Media.